Hello, I'm your host, Gillian Semler. You're listening to Let's Talk, brought to you by Citilets and Arla Property Mart Scotland. Let's Talk is a dedicated property show for the world of property letting, investment, legislation, personal stories and much more. If you want to get in touch, just reach out. Let's Talk at citilets.co.uk. In light of recent proposals being put forward to the Scottish Government by the Scottish Parliamentary Working Group on Tenement Maintenance, I have Joe Parageddes, Conservation Architect from Mill Architects, joining me today. Morning, Joe. Morning, Gillian. Now, tenements are the most common house type in all occupations in Scotland, accounting for 24% of the country's total housing stock and 29% of these tenements were built pre-1919. So in what condition are Scottish tenements in general? In general, at the moment, they're in a pretty poor and failing condition due to a number of reasons. One of them is just general weathering and the age of them. There is a massive problem with lack of maintenance um, with tenements throughout Scotland. Um, And also previous cement repairs, which were good intentioned about 40 years ago, have since shown that they are incredibly bad for stone and are now falling off um, various areas of facades and balustrades um, to the front and uh, rear of tenements. And this is what has been causing general demise. Yeah, because there's ongoing stonefalls, isn't there? In fact, I think 2019, Edinburgh Council attended on average over 20 falls from tenements each month. And we know, obviously, the city has experienced some disastrous incidents in recent years. Yeah, absolutely. I sit on a number of forums, and one of them is a tenement action group forum, which is really just trying to promote property owners to take responsibility and look after properties themselves. Um, The City of Edinburgh Council are in that forum as well, and they reported um, to me last year that on average, there was 20 falls every year, every month um, from stones, which is a lot of stones to it fall, is. to maybe miss your car or yeah. your head. Um, so really, there has been dis- previous disasters within Edinburgh. I mean, there's been fatalities throughout most cities in the world, to be honest with you, stone falls. But the one that we had that really brought the attention um, for the requirement of urgency of repairs um, to two buildings and tenements in particular was the Ryan's Bar incident in 2000 when a skew stone, which is a slanted stone from a roof, slid down the roof and went through the glass roof of the conservatory in Ryan's Bar and killed the waitress who was working there. But interestingly, Ryan's Bar had good intentionally repaired this property, but it had been done by poor workmanship which had meant that the skew stone had fallen so that highlights the importance to use guys who knows what they're doing um, who are on approved lists and who have knowledge of existing and traditional buildings yeah it's crucial for it to be of an appropriate standard yeah absolutely i was working on a project in 2006 on Montgomery and Windsor Street and the building across the road from me in um, Windsor Street, the top cornice completely collapsed. Uh, No repairs were being done. The the way in which the cornice had been built into the building had meant that there wasn't enough weight on the back of the cornice. And over time, when the bedding had deteriorated and the mortar had deteriorated around it, it simply fell and it uh, crashed down onto the railings um, beside the stairs and onto the street. It, it didn't cause any any fatalities, 
but it, it was a huge expense to the owner mm-hmm. because okay. this hadn't been picked up on previously. Gosh. Well, I mean, there's also other reasons, isn't there, for the importance of landlords and owners maintaining the tenements. So can you inform our listeners more about these aspects? Yeah, so, I mean, there's a big push out there, really, for homeowners, property owners, to take responsibility of the properties that they buy. So if you buy a flat in a tenement, you have to accept that this building is 100 years old and you will have to put in some kind of money for the maintenance and repair of it, whether that's inside, whether you get a nice new kitchen, or whether that's outside when you have to rebuild a chimney. And I appreciate most people will want a new kitchen. (laughs) (laughs) But in general... If people take control of the proper, their properties, they will minimise their repair and maintenance costs. And you won't have a large shocking bill mm-hmm. at the end of it when, when everything goes wrong. The, the reasons why do we want to repair it? Well, we don't want things getting worse. So if we don't repair something, if we don't repair the choked down pipe or the slip slate, then water continues to saturate into the building. The way in which tenements are constructed, there is one wall, it's, 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 it's a leaf of about 600 mil. At the front is stone and the middle is rubble. And at the back you have lath and plaster, which of course is timber. A lot of tenements are constructed from timber flooring. We have timber safe lintels. So once water saturates into the building and then into the wood, that's when you then start to have problems with dry rot and wet Mm -hmm. rot. And that's when things can start to get really expensive. Mm -hmm. If you keep on top of your maintenance, I once pulled an iron brew can out the top of a downpipe once, Seriously. and that had been co- that had been co- causing the the owner problems for years with saturation to the building, and it oh. was something as simple as that. So we don't have to be spending hundreds of thousands of pounds on fabric repairs. We might just need to pay three hundred quid to get someone to go up there and unblock the choke down pipe. Mm-hmm. Things are tended to mm-hmm. early. Regularly, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what are typical hotspots then in relation to tenement problems? Well, I have this diagram that we show uh, when we're doing presentations to property owners of what the typical hotspots can be. And generally, it's a picture of a tenement with about 25 pink dots on it, mm-hmm. which shows where everything can go wrong. Tenements generally have a standard construction. You have the front facade, the rear facade, you may have a felt flat roof on the top and then two slated slopes to the front and the back uh, with a number of chimneys, a number of mutual chimneys, valley gutters, cupolas, and really the hotspots are any of the junctions of these detailing where water can get in, where fabric can fall off, and basically where your building is no longer wind and watertight. And these are the areas that when we're looking at a building and assessing its condition, we check to make sure. And also with tenements as well, there can be structural movement, especially within bay windows, and you can start to see cracking maybe internally before you see externally. So there's certain things that you know to look for that a property owner themselves knows whether something is going on within their property. A dark patch on the ceiling that wasn't there before, um, a crack in the plaster that they hadn't noticed. All this kind of stuff helps us to work out what's wrong with the building. Okay. So then what's the current procedure just now for landlords and homeowners when it comes to common repairs, you know, given the demise of statutory notices? Yeah. So... The council are still assisting. They have created a shared repairs service 
And what that does is they offer a lot of guidance and advice. It's really good guidance and advice of how you can take responsibility for your building. So we've said this before, that when you buy a flat or when you become part of a tenement block, that you are responsible as a group of owners to look after this building and make it safe for others and yourself, and also to maintain its integrity and heritage. So Edinburgh Shear Repair Service offer that service. They offer to get owners back on track, uh, to find each other, to find the neighbours, and they will offer a service which will guide you into being able to repairing the property yourself. But there's not just that. There are loads of other help out there that owners can look to for guidance and advice. There's a brilliant website that has been created by Annie Flynn and John Gilbert, who were the original writers of the um, Tenement Handbook. Oh, yeah. And it's called Under One Roof. If you Google it, you will mm -hmm. find it. And it has a wealth of knowledge and experience on how to get owners together, how to look at your title deeds, um, how to speak to one another maybe you need to form a whatsapp group stuff like this in terms of getting everyone together to get them to repair it something very hot off the press is that mm -hmm. the council are at the moment in talks with a service provider who is going to provide an app so a tenement repair app whereby it will guide and help owners to go through the procedures find their neighbors and get everyone in contact Indeed. and i think once that launches that will have a hopefully a really beneficial effect because we know it's difficult to arrange for communal repairs we know there are absentee landlords we know there are airbnbs we know that not everyone lives in the flats that they own and we know that people have financial problems and don't feel that they can contribute to stuff. So doing a communal repair can be really daunting. It normally falls on one person, mm -hmm. which can be really stressful. So what we're trying to do is to make this less stressful for everyone and to offer more guidance and assistance so that they feel it's actually possible to do. Right, okay. Because Well, moving on then to <clears throat> the recent proposals... I believe there's three main points to the proposals being put forward by the Scottish Parliamentary Working Group, which are one, tenement inspections to be carried out every five years, two, establishing compulsory owners association and three, compulsory sinking funds. So let's start with the first one. You know, who would carry out these inspections, you know, given the different types of buildings from real estate to conservation and kind of what qualifications would they need to have? How would a person go about sure. appointing okay. them? So there are three items that have been put forward to the Parliament. The point of these three actions is that they are made legal and compulsory. A bit like how you would MOT your car. You wouldn't even think about it. You just know that it's something that you've got to do, so you get on with it. And these three items have come about from many, many years of research from various bodies um, who have looked into what they feel needs to happen as a minimum to help property owners look after their properties. So the first one is tenement inspections. So this is a conditional survey that is carried out by an accredited professional. Now that can be an accre a conservation accredited architect or a conservation accredited building surveyor 
It doesn't really matter. What matters is that you get someone who knows what they're doing and who works with existing projects of this nature so that they understand the building's construction and they understand what is wrong with it. And in the conditional report, it will highlight what is wrong or not wrong with the building, but assuming there's always something wrong in it, there might not be. It will go through the various elements, the roof, the windows, the walls, the, the railings, what have you, internally and externally. And it will highlight, most likely in a traffic-like system, what needs to be done now, what's crucial. Unblock your downpipe at saturating your stonework, for example. Or what is likely to need done, maybe in five years' time, your felt flat roof will need to be replaced. Mm -hmm. And the point of this is that the property owners will get an idea of what they need to do, what they need to plan for, and how much money they need to put aside every month to maybe carry out a repair in five or ten years. Okay, so what would be the next procedure then for landlords and owners? Okay, so I think in general, landlords and owners need to change their mindset in a way to think that they own the building, they are responsible for the building, no one else is, they are. And it's not just them themselves, they are in a group of people who are responsible for one building. So how do we, how do we get them in a position where they feel they're able to arrange for a repair? The first thing that needs to be done from a group of owners is that they appoint a professional, an accredited professional who knows what they're doing. Once they have appointed that, it's quite easy to find an accredited professional, by the way. They're on the Royal Institute of Architects of Scotland. There is a list of accredited architects. On the Royal Institute of Chartered Surveyors, there's a list of accredited surveyors. You can do a postcode search if you want to find someone near to you. Um, you can go by recommendations. And once you've got your profession, professional and you feel comfortable with them and you trust them, because that's very important, they can sit down with you and go over the process from start to finish of how you would do this. Because, of course, they've done this many times before. So they know what needs to be done in conditional report, what is likely to come out of that, what then they need to do in terms of getting their owners on board, what's the scope of work. How much money does everyone have? How many years would it take to arrange it? And really be guided by them because they're the guys with the knowledge who would be able to assist and make this process easier. Okay. Well, another proposal was to establish a compulsory owners association. So given that the currently existing informal owners associations do not have legal personality, you know, meaning that they're limited to act on behalf of their owners, owner members, can you explain how the new association is proposed to operate? Yes, so at the moment we have owners associations where people have just decided to form it. Generally, they might have done that because they're getting funding from Edinburgh World Heritage and they have to, otherwise they won't get the funding. Other people choose to just get the repairs done themselves privately and not bother their owners. Uh, maybe they can't agree or what have you. So at the moment, it's very disjointed. And Glasgow is a big factoring city. So there are lots of factors. The, the, the good thing about factoring is that they hold everyone's addresses and contact details and it's very easy to get in touch with everyone. But we, we don't really go down that route in Edinburgh. In general... A compulsory owners association would be all the owners within the block, say there's 12 flats, getting together and forming this legal association. That association would come with a bank account. 
um, you would need two signatures on the bank account. And remember, to get any works done in general, a contractor will not want to come near a block where 12 people are going to individually pay them. They want one invoice, one payment from this association. So this association will be formed, a bank account will be formed, money can then go into the bank account from everyone's flats, and then the process of repair is just so much easier because everyone's talking to each other mm -hmm. and everyone is aware. And this is what I'm talking about, the app previously that the councils are proposing to, to put forward as a real tool for everyone to help them get in contact. No one wants to sit in someone's flat anymore at seven o'clock at night going over various problems or fighting with their neighbours. It's much easier to do it via app or WhatsApp. If you go into the Under One Roof website that I talked about before, there are some brilliant tips on how you can get your owners together, find your owners and set up this compulsory owners association. Okay, great. Well, the third proposal was to establish a sinking fund. So what is this exactly? Okay, so a sinking fund's a bit like a pension for your building. So to do repairs, obviously you need to pay for them. People don't have money, that large sums that they can just put in. So a sinking fund is really formed once you've done your owner's association. You've got your owner's association, you've got your bank account, you've got your signatures. And then from that, maybe each flat decides to put in £50 a month. And they do that for the next three years. And from that, they then, if there's a problem with a downpipe, if there's a problem with a bit of stone that needs to be made safe from a you know, contractor of a harness, for example, that these can be easily done without anyone worrying about where the money's coming from. For larger repairs, we've talked about getting this report done. Once we've done the report, we know how much it's likely to cost. People can then plan for years how much they're going to put in every month for their building and it makes it a lot more manageable. Mm -hmm. And I can't stress enough that all this doesn't have to be done immediately mm -hmm. you don't have to do your repairs the second the report is done yeah. the point is that you need to unblock your downpipe mm -hmm. or you need to sort out the crack in your window or whatever it is but the, for larger repairs that that need done this can be planned and it can take years to plan it to do it i would also say about this whole process uh, with the three items that are being proposed to be to be made legal is that this is hugely beneficial for people who live in a block, who people are, who are trying to sell their property. It's very attractive mm -hmm. for, for, for sellers to say, here's our block, we've got all this in place. Mm -hmm. People are much more likely to buy into that. Absolutely. And for people who are, are wanting to let out as well their properties, if you can see to if you the landlord can say well actually we're part of the scheme and if there's any problems that can be resolved mm -hmm. then so it's it's a, it's in terms of being beneficial for everyone it is mm -hmm. and there's a reason that we've focused on these three items that need to be done well what happens if some owners fail to pay into the sinking fund yeah so this happens all the time um, it's really common to not be able to get 12 owners together you've got absentee landlords a, a lot of landlords don't even live in the country so it is difficult to get people to understand the problem and of course if you're suffering from water ingress and you live in the top floor flat but someone underneath is in a rented flat then the priorities are not quite as important. Mm -hmm. So 
The councils throughout Scotland have dealt with this by creating a Missing Shares Act. And this, this is a brilliant thing. This is whereby you have 11 flats and one flat you either can't get hold of or they refuse mm -hmm. to pay. You go to the council, you apply for the Missing Share Act, they pay on behalf of that owner and then that owner has to repay the council and they are unable to sell their flat until that debt is paid. Right. There are other ways of doing it as well under the Tenement Act. It can be quite confusing and complicated, which is why everything's trying to be simplified down. You can write letters to them, you can blacklist the flat, you can do this. You need 51% majority of repairs to have them carried out within the block. But obviously you need more than 51% majority to pay for it. Mm -hmm. So the Missing Shares Act is, is vital and, and an incredibly useful tool that people should use. Perfect. Well, if approved, obviously this proposal could take a couple of years to become law. So currently, what's the best practice to ensure minimal problems with your property? Because, well, as I believe, many owners are deterred from maintenance and repairs due to the fact that they're unsure how to finance them. Yeah, exactly. It's just a big, scary situation mm -hmm. where people just don't know how to even start or what to do. So if we're going to simplify it, let's look at four action points that might help. Number Action points number one or two, I would say, happen concurrently. We've talked about this conditional survey report that we need to have every five years. Let's do this conditional survey report. Sometimes when you do a survey report, you need to get up close. Sometimes access is a problem to get onto roofs, etc. So sometimes you hire a cherry picker to go up and have a look at the building closely, touch the soil, see how knackered the chimney is, all that kind of stuff. At the same time, I generally find that when we're up a cherry picker doing a conditional survey, you end up making the building safe as well. Right. You end up taking slates out the gutters, unblocking the downpipe because you're there mm -hmm. and it needs done. So I think action points one and two are very similar. You're finding out the condition of the building and you're making it safe. Whether that happens quite quickly after each other, which you would need to if you know that your building is not safe, that does need to then become a red traffic light point in the report, that needs to be done. Once you know what needs to be done, you can then plan for it. So one and two are concurrent. Action point three is to arrange for the repairs required. These can be phased, as I've said before, these can take a number of years to be put in place, but your professional will help you put these procedures in place. And the three items that we've talked about that are going to be made legal, they're talking it'll take between two to ten years to do this because obviously there's a lot of um, hoops that have to be jumped through within the parliament. But once your three procedures are put in place, it's going to be so much easier for you to actually repair your building. And once you've done your repairs, we go to action point four. Um, and this drives me wild because no one does it. They spend a lot of money repairing their building and then they don't maintain it every um, year. Mm -hmm. So just maintain it. Get your, sl your slates checked every year, unblock your gutters. If you've got a piece of stone that's not looking good, get that checked out. Just regular maintenance and look up, look up and see what's happening. If there's a drip coming from your gutter, it needs repaired. Okay, so finally then, what would be your main advice? Over and above all of this, what would be your main advice to landlords and owners regarding the proper property? and what help is out there for them. 
Well, the main advice really is to take control. Take control of your property. Don't be scared of it. Don't be scared to try and arrange these repairs. Don't be scared of contacting your neighbours and trying to get together as a group. This is a really positive thing that needs yeah, to be done. avoiding larger costs. Absolutely. By doing it now or actually just facing the situation. Mm-hmm. And remember, there might be minimal stuff that you have to do in your property. And then that gives you the security that you know everything's all right. So take control of it. Look at all the guidance out there. I really recommend looking at the Under One Roof website. That is fantastic. Approach Edinburgh Shared Repairs. Ask them for help. There's lots of websites out there that you can look at. Historic Environment Scotland provide inform guides, which are fantastic. They go over every different element of your tenement. If you wanted to get into the nitty gritty and go and go a bit more technical with it. Edinburgh World Heritage offer funding as well if you if you fit the certain criteria, which again is another fantastic asset. So there's a lot of good information out there that can really help you. And talk to your neighbours, form a stair group, appoint a professional, get a report carried out, and then just move on from there. Perfect. That's great. Thank you so much, Joe. Thanks, Gillian. I'm Gillian Semler. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe to the Let's Talk channel on all the usual platforms, including Spotify, iTunes and SoundCloud, as well as on citylets.co.uk forward slash podcasts. And also let your friends know where to find us. Let's Talk is a dedicated property show providing insight into the world of property letting. More information on today's show can always be found on our show notes along with this podcast. If you want to get in touch, just reach out. Let's talk at citylets.co.uk.